we're at the end of the semester, and there is a question that teachers get asked at the end of the semester all the time, and the question is this, what do I need to do to pass your class? You know, I, I, I'm not sure where I stand, and I, I'm a little concerned, so I, I really need the credits. So what do I have to do to pass this class? What's that minimum that I've got to turn in in order to pass the class? And if you're a teacher, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so we share with them. And, and before you get too hard on students and, and say, you know, well, why would they do that? We all do that in life. We all want to know what the minimum is. What do we have to do to just get by? And, and maybe we want to know, what's the minimum payment that I need to make? Or what's the least I have to do uh, to get this project done? And so we all have those lines. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could ask God what the bottom line is? God, what's the minimum requirement? What do I have to do to be right with you and okay with you? And and, and someone did ask Jesus that question in Mark chapter 12, and I want us to look at that this morning. It says in Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. This is the bottom line. The religious leader asked, well, what what do we have to do? What's that minimum? What's the most important And in the ancient biblical language, he's actually asking, what's the heaviest uh, commandment? If I put them on the scales, which one weighs the most? Which is the one that is most important? Because they had 613 commandments they had to follow. We have a problem memorizing and doing the Ten Commandments. They had over 600. He said, what's that minimum? What do I have to do? And Jesus said, it's all about following me, loving God, and loving others. Just do that. Love God and love others. Over and over again, Jesus calls us to follow him. We looked at Peter for a couple weeks and how God said, I want you to follow me. And it wasn't just for Peter because Peter writes in his epistle, we're all called to follow. They were all called to be obedient. And Jesus is just simply looking for followers, for disciples, for people that would go after him and follow him and listen and obey. I, I, I want you to know today that this is the call on your life that you are predestined to become like Jesus. Martin Luther said that we are called to be little Christs. That somehow, some way, God is going to mold us into His image. And that is your call in your life to be like Jesus. But this is what blows me away. Is Jesus actually thinks I can be like Him. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever wanted to say, Jesus, what are you thinking? You think I can be like you? And he says, yes, I do. That's my call in your life. And follow me and watch what I do. As a church, that's our calling, to make disciples, followers of Jesus. If we had to ask Jesus, how do we pass the test? Jesus is very clear in the Great Commission that this is the heartbeat of the church. Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 18, is the Great Commission. It says, and Jesus came 
and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. That is our call. Make disciples. People that follow Jesus. That's our job as a church, and that's why we gather together. That's why we preach sermons. That's why we do what we do, so that we can be followers of Jesus doing all that Christ commanded. Dallas Willard, who writes about spiritual formation, gives us two definitions I want to give to you today. The first one is of spiritual growth, and spiritual growth is the process of an individual taking on the character of Christ. That's your call. That's what we try to do at churches. We try to help you take on the character of Christ. And then spiritual transformation is moving from conformity to this world to conformity to Christ. That instead of squeezing into the world's mold, we'd squeeze into Christ's mold. And and so that's our job as a church to teach you in that direction. But this is the work that Christ does. But since it's the call of the church, we took this very seriously a number of years ago. We said, what does it mean to be a disciple? We began to dig in the Word. We began to talk to the pastors and the leadership. And I met with a wide variety of individuals in our church. And I asked, what does it mean to be a disciple? What do you think Jesus said when he said, go and make disciples? Teaching everything that I commanded. What does that mean? Because that's a really big job. And we talked and we talked. And as we talked, I began to assemble what everybody said and what the Word said. We came up with eight principles of a disciple. And we, we call it activate. And We talked about this a number of years ago, and I want to revisit some of this and maybe teach a little differently on these eight things, but when the first one came up in almost every conversation we had, and that was the great commandment, when I asked, what does it mean to, to love God? What does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to be a disciple? Every conversation led back to the great commission. And so when we talk about the great commission, we talk about activating these eight things, this is where we begin. And it's not just knowing about it, it's doing it. It's about being active in it, and that it's a process in our life. And there's no end date, there's no graduation, it's just something that we work on, loving God and loving others. And so let's look at this great commandment this week and next, and apply it to our lives. Mark chapter 12, let's review it one more time, beginning at verse 29. What is the most important, what is the heaviest commandment? The most important commandment is this, Jesus said. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Let me read it from the message translation so that you can maybe get some different words. You might want to write these down in your notes, but... It helps us to understand it a little clearer. It says in verse 30, So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Love the Lord your God with all your passion, prayer, intelligence, and energy. He says, I want you to love God with a passion. I want you to love others as as God loves them. Love God and love others. That's the bottom line. That's what we call the Jesus Creed. It's actually Scott McKnight a theologian who, who named it the Jesus Creed. If there's one thing Jesus taught, it's this. you got to love God and, and love others. And Jesus took a, a principle from Deuteronomy, a loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Leviticus, loving your neighbor 
as yourself. And he weds them together in the Jesus Creed. The bottom line teaching of Jesus, the minimum to pass. If, if we could do one thing, this is it. Mark Batterson calls the, the, the great commandment, the loving God and loving others, he calls it the soul of Christianity. It's the soul of Christianity. It is our heartbeat. It is who we are. He says in his book, Primal, Jesus was a genius. He had the ability to simplify complex spiritual truths in unforgettable and irrefutable ways. And I'm afraid we tend to do the opposite. We complicate Christianity. Sometimes we make it so complex of what it means to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, no, here's the bottom line. Love God and love others. As we talk about this today, let me tell you this, that God is passionate about you. He is crazy about you. He loves you. His heart aches for you to love him back. 1 John 4:19. one of the first verses I memorized with my grandma that, that, that she taught me. And I memorized this like four or five years old. I remember it. We love him because he first loves us. We love him because he first loves us. Do you realize how much God loves you. He's passionate about you, crazy about you. And when we realize how much God loves us, it helps us to love Him right back and to, to love others. It just helps to know how much God loves you. Brendan Manning, who passed away a couple weeks ago, who was an author that talked a lot about the love of God, says God loves you as you are, not as you should be. God loves you as you are, not as you should be. His love loves you right where you're at. Jesus said in in Mark chapter 12, verse 17, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. God knows you're broken. When I tell you that God loves you just as you are, you can say, Daryl, you don't know how I am. I want to tell you, God does. He knows you even better than you know yourself. And He still loves you. What if we could see how much God loves us? What if we knew that love and that grace? And that's all that love and grace is. It's just loving you right where you're at. What if we could see that? Inside your bulletin on the back of the calendars, go ahead and pull that out right now. There's, there's this, this little... Uh, thing that I gave you that talks about our identity in Jesus Christ. I want you to look at that. There's, there's some things there and some verses you can look up this week and, and meditate on. But what if we could see ourselves like Jesus sees us? What if we could see ourselves as beloved? We are His beloved. We are the ones that He loves. We are His children. He's chosen us, adopted us into His family. He delights in us. He smiles every time He looks at us. We're forgiven. He sees us as washed clean. He sees us as free. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are co-heirs with Christ. He sees us as as righteous and new. Do you know that Jesus calls you a saint? He sees you that way. He sees you as holy. He sees you as holy. He sees you as a work of art. His masterpiece. He sees you as bold, victorious, whole. He sees that you have a future and a hope. I want you to realize that we need to see ourselves as God sees us. That we need to go by His Word and not how we feel. 
or what the circumstances say, but say, God, I know that you love me because if you can see how much God loves you and how he loves you just as you are, if you could see God's love for you, there would be no problem loving him right back. And if you could see how much he loves everybody else, there'd be no problem loving them. If you could see them through God's eyes, if you could see yourself through your eyes, that's what it means to be a a loving follower of a loving God. This idea of following isn't just in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament as well. It says we need to follow hard after Him and not to follow after other gods. And He's so clear about this. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, is the very first commandment, and, and God is super clear about this. You've got to follow me, me alone. I've got to be number one. You shall have no other gods before me. I've got to be number one. I've got to be the God of your life. No other gods before me. Deuteronomy 30, uh, 13 verse 4 says, is it, uh, it is the Lord your God you must follow, and Him you must revere. Keep His commands and obey Him. Serve Him and hold fast to Him. We are called, whether it be in the Old Testament or New Testament, to love God, to follow God, to put Him number one, and to love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He wants to be number one. Why does He want to be number one? Is it that He's just so controlling that He just has to be in control? He has to be number one? Or He's so mean, He's got to be the big guy in the room? Or, or he, just, you know, he doesn't want you to have any fun? He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want you to have any freedom. Why does he want to be number one? Let me tell you today, the reason God wants to be number one is because he loves you so much. And he knows that if you make anything or anyone else number one, they will destroy you. They will put you in bondage. You have to put him first. Any other God is going to destroy you. He has to be number one. He loves you so much. He's saying, just love me back. He doesn't make you do that because that wouldn't be loving. He says, just respond to my love. This story was in an East Coast paper a number of years ago. Let me read it to you. One evening, a woman was driving home when she noticed a huge truck behind her that was driving uncomfortably close. She stepped on the gas to gain some distance from the truck But when she sped up, the truck did too. The faster she drove, the faster the truck did. Now scared, she exited the freeway, but the truck stayed with her. The woman turned up a main street hoping to lose her pursuer in traffic, but the truck ran a red light and continued the chase. Reaching the point of panic, the woman whipped her car into a service station and bolted out of her auto, screaming for help. The truck driver sprang from his truck and ran toward her car, Yanking the back door open, the driver of the truck pulled a man hidden in the back seat. The woman was running from the wrong person. From the high vantage point, the truck driver had spotted a would-be rapist in the woman's car. The chase was his effort not to harm her, but to save her. That's God's pursuit of you. And so many people run from God thinking that he's got it in for them. That, that, that they fear what he might do to them, and the reality is, is that he just loves them. That his plans are for good and not for evil. That, that he has a, 
a plan to rescue us from the things that would destroy our life and endanger us. The verse that's been around our church for over a decade now is Jeremiah 29.11. You probably have it memorized. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA. It says there that, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that is the truth. God loves you so much. He's got a plan. He's got, he's got something good for you in store. And you may say, I don't see it right now. I know he's got this plan, but I don't see the plan. Listen to me. Don't worry about the plan. Here's the real question. Do you know the God of the plan? Are you following the God of the plan? If you know the God of the plan, don't worry about the plan. He's a good God. He loves you. He's going to work it out. Even though it doesn't look good right now, He's got a future and a hope. Know the God of the plan. Follow the God of the plan. Because He says in just a few chapters later, in chapter 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God says, I love you so much. Romans chapter 8 says, I'm going to work everything together for your good. There is nothing, later on in, in, in chapter 8, it says, there is nothing that will separate you from my love. That's the God we serve. Now let me ask you this question. Imagine, imagine, if we just did this. If we just did the minimum requirements of following Jesus. Forget that there's eight principles of following Jesus. Just, just this first one. Imagine if, if we just did number one, if we just did what we had to do to pass, what, imagine if we just loved God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Imagine if we loved others the way that God loves them. Imagine how your life would be different and your world would be different if you just did this first one. And that's what God's calling you to today. He's calling you to respond to His love with a passion right back to God. And a commitment, God, I want to see your love for me. And I want to love you right back. And I want to love other people the way that you see them. And we'll talk more about that next week. But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me today as, as Leanne and the team come back. And we're just going to worship the Lord here at the end. But I want to do something a little bit different just with your head bowed for a moment here. I'm going to give you some time with God to imagine what it would be like if, you just, if we just did this first one. If we just responded to God's love with love right back, how would our life change? What would God be doing in our life? And, and I'm going to ask you to do something on your sermon notes, or maybe you take notes on your phone, or I, I don't, whatever, wherever you write your notes down. I, I'm going to ask you to do something, because a lot of times we go into just a time of meditation and prayer at the end of a service, but today I'm going to ask you to do something different. I'm going to ask you to actually write down your prayer. And there's something powerful, and, and, and I know this when, when, when if I'm a journalist, if I, if I write down my prayer, I mean, I, we can all pray and just pray our words, but sometimes when we write down our prayer, first of all, sometimes it's more thoughtful, and second of all, I can go back to that prayer, read it again, pray it again, and see what God was doing in my life. And so I'm going to ask you, on your bulletins, to take those out. There's a pen in front of you. I just want you to grab that. And I want you to write your prayer to God today. I want you to respond today. So just bow your heads right now. The music will just be playing quietly. We'll go back into worship in a moment. 
But now's the time for you, just maybe on your phone, maybe on your iPad, maybe on your, your, just your, your notes in your Bible. Maybe you want to write it inside of your Bible. I don't know. But just say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love others. I'm God, this is, this is the bottom line, and this is where I'm signing. I'm not even thinking about all eight right now. God, I'm just thinking about this first one. And God, I'm signing up to follow you. I'm signing up for the heaviest commandment the most important commandment, the greatest commandment, to love you, God. To love you with all my passion, prayer, intelligence, and energy. And then, God, I want to see other people like you see them. You don't just love me, God. You love everybody. And help me see them like you. Just let you have some time with the Lord here quietly. Write it down, and then we'll worship the Lord in just a moment. writing you can 
do that. If you're done, go ahead and stand and let's just worship the Lord for a while and uh, give him the final moments of today. Go ahead and keep writing if you need to, but otherwise just stand and let's worship the Lord.
it's good to make that declaration that all I am is yours. And I hope that you've made that commitment today to follow Jesus. To, to say, God, I'm going to love you and I'm going to love others and, and, and I want you to follow him. And if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to invite you today to make that decision. And, and we have a, just a, a little packet up here. It's got a Bible in it, a prayer for you, and some other things in there about what it means to follow Jesus. And, and today, we believe that you're going to make that first step. If you sang that song, and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, we sang all that just now. And He rose from the dead, and He gives you new life. He, he wants you to follow Him. He loves you. He wants to be number one. Not so He can be controlling, but so that He can show you His love, that you can live out that love. And so I encourage you today, if, you, if you're just far from God and you're coming back today or you're just for the first time, grab a packet. They're there. They're free. Just take it after the service. And, and I hope that all of us today have made that commitment that whatever it means to follow Jesus, that's what we're going to do. We're going to follow the God that loves us. I encourage you today to go beyond just a, a weekend experience with God, but follow Him every day. Maybe grab a devotional in the library and just read that every day, or read your word, or, or the, the, the things on the back of the calendar. Just get all that God has for you inside of you, and follow Him every single day, because you belong to Him. And we're going to keep talking about this over the next several weeks, and so just keep coming back, and we'll talk about following Jesus. But we do have a very uh, specific way that you can love other people, and that's by signing up in the lobby uh, and, and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to those in need in our community, and I'm going to help with the giveaway. I'm going to invite Jody up here. She's going to actually be out at the table afterwards, and she's going to tell you what, what we need you to do. So before we receive the blessing, Jody, just tell us how we can help. Right. Thank you guys for giving me a minute. Um, Hope you enjoyed the video. It was very real to me. <laughs> um, like I said, last fall we helped over 1,250 kids. And um, you saw how long that line was. People waited in line for two and a half hours with their kids to come and get what they need. And um, we had no problems. We had no issues. Everyone was thankful. And there weren't any complaints, any you know fussing about anything. And um, we... Just one quick word is uh, we got a call from Fairview, the public school down the road, from their nurse. And the week after the giveaway, she said all that they heard about was talking in the hall were, look at my new clothes from the kids' pantry. Aren't they great? And it just gave pride back to kids. And that's kind of what we, what we want to do right now. Um, my quick list of volunteer opportunities is um, Tuesday night. We're going to be here from about 6.30 to 8.30 or 9.00. And we want to get everything prepared and ready to bring into the gym. So we could really use extra hands. Um, you don't need skills. You don't need anything. Just a warm and able body would be great. Um, Sunday, starting at 4. Next week, I think it's the 4th. Um, we're going to start moving everything in the gym. We have every single nook and cranny of this church claimed for the kids' pantry. Um, so we need a lot of bodies. We need a lot of um, willingness just to come and say, here, grab this, take it to the gym. So if you could stay after church, if I, we could probably knock it out in a half hour, 45 minutes if we get as many people as we can. Um, then the following week, Monday through Thursday, we're going to be in the gym from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. I will be here, I guarantee it. Um, 12 hours a day, we got, it takes that long to set up what we do. So if you have any free time after work, if you have a day off, 
If you have kids that are bored at home, by all means, send them our way. We will, we will find something for everybody to do. We have sitting jobs. We have manual labor jobs. If you don't, you know, I'll have you put puzzles together and count pieces if you need to. I mean, we have every single job for every single person. Um, and then Friday and Saturday are the days of the giveaway. It's uh, Friday is 4 to 9, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Saturday is 10 a.m. to 3. And um, we, if you come early, we can get you an apron. We can get you set up with what you need. Um, we just need bodies. We need bodies in the hall. We need bodies folding at the tables. We need whatever it is. We need a sitting person to come check people in. We just we need bodies. And... Um, you don't once again you don't need skills I'll, I'll whatever you want to do whatever your skill is I will find you a job in that area um, and one more area if I could mention we just have some needs that aren't met yet um, that we want to be able to bless the community with um, we need baby equipment if you guys know of anybody that has a garage with strollers or high chairs or swings um, anything bigger like that there's such a demand we have to turn people away weekly because we just don't have these items and you know we always just say God will give us whatever he you know whatever he can bless people with so if you know people that have a bunch of kids and you know might have grown out of that we'd love to to help you know get that back into the community Um, we need larger kids clothes like size 7 on up through juniors you know even some adults small medium for high school kids would be great um bigger kid toys we have a lot of baby toys but bigger kid toys like legos or barbies or you know um craft supplies whatever you know a middle school you know fifth sixth grade kid if your kids have grown out and have upgraded their electronics you know we'd love to be able to bless some bigger kids with those um also the bake sale i know it was mentioned we're going to have a sign up in the lobby um if you're not able to come and physically help us a bake sale would be great because we are obviously a nonprofit. we give everything away we don't have any other means but there are expenses with what we do so if you'd be able to um contribute that way if you're not able to if you would rather just even bless us with money <laughs> i wouldn't even turn that down that would be awesome Um, But I just want to read, we have a verse in the pantry that we go by and we pray daily, God, make this, make it your heart. We want to be your heart. And if I could just read that real quick, it's James 2, 14 through 17. What is good, what what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister was was without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? it in the same way faith by itself is not accompanied by action it is dead so let us prove our action let's walk out in faith let's do it let's clothe the kids and get them what they need so if you have any questions i'll be at the table um i'll show you where to sign up and um thank you very much going to dismiss Jody and her team to get out there right away, but the best way that we can show that we love God is by loving other people, so sign up uh, today for that. Let's receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for the love and the blessing that you lavish upon us. And God, you, you know us right as we are and you love us today and we thank you for that may we walk in that love and may we share that love this week keep us safe and strong until we can gather together again and worship you 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.